It's episode 1008, and it's The Relevant Podcast. Here in Orlando, I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Austin, Texas, downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. Jamie's out one more time. She'll be back next week. And from Nashville, Tennessee, artist, producer, mogul, Derek Miner. What up? Amen. Man, it is already mid-October. Do you guys know what you're doing for uh, Halloween? Are you, guys a, are you guys the type of people that like plan costumes or anything oh, yeah. you do these elaborate whatever family or... yeah we, we we try as a family to to all you know be in theme and i feel like this is one of the most difficult years when it comes you to... don't feel like a theme person to me is this coming from your wife or is this you <laughs> i mean look it's i i don't i don't i'm not is this I'm a not happy s- wife happy life situation it's more. It's more. It's more of the kids, but I speak into it. Like oh. we did I Avengers. Say, I'm not surprised that you're a theme person. That we did Avengers. Brand. Yeah, we did Avengers a couple years ago. Last year was like a Space Jam year. You know, like we try to find some sort of pop cultural. It's really hard this year, guys. Why? Like because there hasn't been like those big pop culture hallmarks. When you start thinking about it, the only one is. And I'm not going to be out there with 5,000 Top Gun families, okay? I can't do it. <laughs> that's pretty much that. that's that's yeah, pretty right. much that's pretty much the the big shared pop cultural moment this year was Top Gun. Can you guys think of anything? Every year I have a long list. I'm like, "Oh, I could do this 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 this." This has been very difficult for uh, the shared, you know, uh, like cultural moment that everyone instantly knows the reference. You could be the cast of the Don't Worry Darling movie at the Venice Premiere Film Festival. You could spit on I, your kid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. you could be Harry Styles. Mm. Yeah, mm, 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 mm. Why would I, you I do, do think that? that would be. But again, I feel that's like that's that not a huge pop culture one. I think it would be funny. <laughs> Derek, do you do anything for Halloween? Do you dress up? I mean, I let the kids do it, but I don't know. I don't really mess with it like that. I was always just there for the candy. as a kid i guess that's just growing up pentecostal you know what i'm saying like it's just it never was a thing it was never like the the thing so it's like now it's just like hey i give my kids a little iron man costume or whatever and we gone about our day you know what i'm saying halloween halloween in my neighborhood is is very very big like every adult is is dressed up there's no question you might as well not come outside oh yeah it's huge there's a big block party before the trick or treating, but it's it's pretty much there. There isn't an adult in the neighborhood who isn't in some manner of a. If, if there's a if there's a house in your neighborhood that has an open house, like it's for sale, do you stand out in the front yard with a clipboard vetting the people considering moving to your neighborhood? Like, oh, absolutely. absolutely! You tell them the requirements and all that. It's a very social. We, we, you know, we 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 don't want any any fuddy duddies in the neighborhood. Keep them to themselves. Okay, this is pretty much open door policy. Dude, I've lived like. in this house for four years. Have never once spoken to my neighbor on one side. Like we walk by each other all the time with our dogs and stuff. Never even acknowledged each other exist. Like I, that's my neighborhood. Keep to yourself. I, that's my. Neighborhood. I know. I know all of my neighbors. I get. I get phone calls and texts from my neighbors all the time. I hang. I went on vacation with my neighbors. Like we. We are all very close. Oh, that's lit. <laughs> but anyway, I feel like I'm always really low key when it comes to Halloween costume. Like I'll be honest, this is actually a shirt from an old Halloween costume when I went as like a '70s hippie a couple of years ago. But it's just a really comfy shirt. 
So I like I am the person I just look in my closet and I'm like, what can I put together? I was a, I've been a cheetah girl multiple years in a row because I have a cheetah girl or I have a cheetah shirt. <laughs> and it's just easy to put that in like a headset on. Say I'm part of the fifth cheetah girl. Mm. Done it multiple See, times. I have to I have to tap into something timely. Like the year Cameron and I went to, to space camp, I used that and fashioned it into a Space Force costume. I had a little Nerf gun, you know, <laughs> but it was timely. Everyone was talking about Space Force. was thinking back, what what more innocent times pre-COVID when the big story <laughs> was Space Force, you <laughs> know? But either way, I, 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 like to, I like to have something timely. And this year has just been pretty hard, you know? Not a lot of fun costume stuff other Man, than Top Gun. If we can go know? back to mid-2019, <laughs> who, who, who knew? Man. Who knew that... <laughs> Who knew what would happen right now, right after that? What, right. what a ride. What a ride. At least we all got to see Top Gun and that was cool. <laughs> but the thing is, I live in a neighborhood that right by a military base. And if I just grew a mustache and wore a flight suit, people would be like, oh, he just got off work. Like he works in Oceania. <laughs> like I have a neighbor who's literally a Top Gun pilot. Like he lives, like he has the actual flight suit, you know? So you people will just. Flight suit. And because yeah, on but, Halloween, you would be the only one maybe I don't know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, Stephen Chandler joins us. He's awesome. He has a new book coming out. Um, he's speaking at my church this week. Very cool. Is he related to Matt Chandler? No. Oh, okay. He's black. Matt Chandler's oh. white. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. Sorry. Um, sorry, bro. All right. And we have uh, a game at the end of the show you don't want to miss. All right. Stay tuned. Up next, it's Slices. This is why I don't leave the house. You say the coast is cold, you won't catch me out. Oh, why? This is why. Better have conviction. Cause we were crimes of passion. Listening to Paramore, they're back. They're back in a big way. The song is This Is Why. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right. I love these type of stories. And we're just talking about how, you know, we, we need more like good news in the world. You know how there's like a thousand stories a week about, oh, well, this habit's really bad for you. Well, if you're not getting six hours, at least seven hours of sleep in a night, it's an early death wish. You know, you, we always hear, I love the stories where something we all love, you find out is really good for you. And I'm not going to get into the details on this because really, who cares? I'm just going to jump to the headline. Uh, it is that this comes from the European Journal of Preventative Cardiology. Drinking two to three cups of coffee a day is linked with a longer lifespan and a lower risk of cardiovascular di- disease compared with avoiding coffee altogether. I'm gonna be so it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't even matter what kind of coffee. It could be decaf. It could be instant. They just said there's something about... The, the compounds found within the coffee bean that is really good for heart health. If I was a, if I was a university study, 
I would only be taking awesome foods and tell my scientists, find me a reason to tell people to eat this. Find one good thing about it. And we're going to publish those studies. We need more of this in science. I'm tired of these headlines that everything I love in life is slowly killing me. Guess what? We're all slowly dying. Okay. Just enjoy life. I challenge all scientists. Find, do dedicate your life to research that just encourages people to eat garbage. <laughs> like it is what a pursuit that would be. Like when you, when you hear like, Oh, dark chocolate is good for brain health. We just need more of that. I feel like it would uplift humanity a little that I don't need a reason to drink more coffee. If I found out that coffee was really bad for your heart, I'd probably still keep drinking it. But I just feel like this is a noble pursuit of, for people to, to, to find out reasons why we should eat more really good stuff. I loved this study too, because I drink so much coffee. Um, and so part of me was like, Oh, I guess I can keep drinking. But I feel like there has to be, limit like it's i think the study said it was like two to three cups a day is good for you yeah but like if i'm not that i do this often i've had four cups a day i'll say it. it like at what point does it turn bad or is it just saying like it doesn't matter just conti- like only drink coffee you'll be good you'll live forever i mean that's what i'm taking away from it you know <laughs> so i can like, stop drinking water and replace my body with coffee here's here's the thing Emily. <laughs> i intentionally didn't read the details of the study because <laughs> i don't want to know like the like caveats the fine print side effects like if i o- yeah exactly <laughs> if i only read the headline that says drink coffee it's good for your heart then I'm just going to drink coffee and feel good about it. Right. It's not going to change. Even if, if deep in the study, it says, yeah, but by the way, it, it, you know, causes, you know, some other weird side effect that, you know, it's not going to affect my coffee consumption. I'm still going to drink it. I might as well feel good about that decision. Not terrible. It's, it's like the Mad Men thing. Makes sense. It's like, look, people were smoking cigarettes. You might as well tell them it's toasted and great for you. Just don't make them feel bad about it. You know, just find me a reason. I forgot to, they did that. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, they literally but, tried to do a health health campaign for cigarettes you know in what? the sixties. And you know, you know what? Life was a lot less of a bummer for smokers at that point. <laughs> if 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 Mad Men was true, I don't understand. I watch it, and he's eating steaks every day. He's drinking nonstop every day. They're smoking every day, and John Hamm had the athleticism of a, a Greek god. Like I don't understand how this was possible back then. Think about the pictures of the 60s. Everybody's skinny. Everybody. There's pictures of like a Super Bowl halftime where like there's a guy on the bench drinking a beer and smoking a cigarette in the Michael Jordan would smoke cigars, <laughs> literally put smoke in his lungs before basketball right. games. Like it was a different time. It was a different time. And now, now all these scientists and doctors weren't getting all judgy all the time. <laughs> People live life, man. Science needs to be less judgy. I like it. Thank you. I like, I like thank it. you. Let's focus on let's focus on good science, not judgy science <laughs> about judgy how science. junk food slowly kills you so you can literally like you said you can literally find a health spin on anything so now it's coffee all right what do you have uh derek hey so um keeping up with last week's show google searches for excuses of getting out of work are uh <laughs> they have exponentially grown since the pandemic and uh, I mean, there's no, I mean, that's literally it. There's nothing else. I mean, obviously, I think we know the reason. 
everybody has been working from home and nobody wants to go back to the office. The people that are back at the office wish they were working at home. And in America, we work a lot more than most other places do. So I could see why Google searches have risen for people that want to get out of work. But it's like a crazy amount, though. What was the statistic? The statistic is, hold on, exactly. Back in 2018, 350,000 people were asking the internet for an excuse. That number has risen to 3.8 million, a tenfold increase. (laughs) Tenfold increase. (laughs) Holy cow. 3.8 million. That's crazy. So have you heard the last podcast? The question that we asked y'all was, what's craziest excuse you've used or heard and that's why because we posted the slice on the site and then we did that as a follow-up question i would say you know coming up with your own excuse if all if all you can do is my boyfriend left me i'm gonna go after him and i got hit with a bb gun in the butt cheek maybe you should google yeah, you gotta do your some research options. do your research you gotta do a little research first do your yeah. research. I, I wrote this slice and i did actually look up i think there's like it was like four billion searches come up when you google like reasons to skip work or something like that like it was like okay. There are so many pages that will give you way better thing. I mean, I'm sure there's some on there that are like shot in the butt with a BB gun, but there's others. Here's my thing. Not that I feel I have can't look at Cameron while I say this. Um, Just the good old. I'm sick. Excuse. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, every done. time. That's all you need. Every time. I don't got to show you my doctor's note. You Especially know? during a pandemic. Like, yeah, it, we're you all can sick. Say, it, it, like, I feel like it's at the point where it's like, you know what? I, I don't need any details. Just stay away. Right. Please don't come here. Yeah. Like, it, we're, you know. I, we, I, we changed ours. We used to have vacation time and sick time, and it's just all paid time off now. Like, if you're sick and you, or if yeah. you just need a mental health day, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's valid. Right. Uh, you know, if you're out for like two weeks in the hospital, please let us know so we can plan accordingly. Right. You right. know, yeah. yeah, that'd be nice. But, um, you know, yeah, it's it's weird that people have to come up with excuses. I mean, let's say you told your boss that you got shot in the butt with a BB gun. What's he going to do? Check? I mean, like, like uh-huh. why are you telling him that detail? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, anyway. I'm going to say, okay. See ya. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's I'm not, not going to That's a zit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. What do you have, Emily? So, okay. Have we heard about the new adult Happy Meals at McDonald's? Yeah. Have we heard about those yet? Wait, hold on. They have adult toys? Oh, pause. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. Wait. That doesn't seem like <laughs> sanitary. <laughs> Whoa. They really need to come up with a better word. It is... Um, they are like these four yeah. um, little like plush characters. I'll be honest, kind of ugly. Had to be said. They have four eyes. They freak me out. I don't like them. But it's part of McDonald's. They have released an adult Happy Meal because I guess that's where we're at in the world. I personally wanted the McDonald's snack wrap to come back, but I guess the Happy Meal is fine. So... <laughs> Um, they've been rolling these out for, I think, a few weeks now. And a lot of McDonald's workers are posting on social media, begging people to stop ordering adult Happy Meals. Why? Uh, they're just like over, like so many people are coming in. And so they're like having to deal with all of these adults who are like, asking for happy meals but some of them are saying like they've run out of supplies and then they have to deal with grown adults who are upset about not having <laughs> this little toy you know Where's it's just my like toy this is brilliant i mean it's like the travis scott meal at mcdonald's like they were like overrun with people trying to order the travis McDonald's scott meal is it is shocking i feel like every other week there's a new like mcdonald's deal um and i i don't know what like why are not 
why is there not like a Sonic one? Like, why is Chick Fil A not doing this? Chick Fil A doesn't need to. Have you driven but by McDonald's one? McDonald's need to. No, de- Chick Fil A definitely doesn't need to, or McDonald's definitely doesn't need to. You know, they're the biggest yeah, fast food like if chain this was in the Sonic, world. Sure, makes sense. I don't go wrong. I love Sonic, but like, hey, I, I'm not even gonna lie. That Chick Fil A uh, kids meal is is struggling. They, I'm like, yo, y'all gotta put some toys or something in here, man. They put this little. <laughs> I know, they put books. Yeah, it's like a book. Don't nobody want no. Don't kids want no book. They put like tracks. They put like Plan of Salvation. Or you have books. to do like DIY stuff. You have to like build the toy yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. bro. Come on, man. Yeah, here's a bunch of that. pieces. Yeah, yeah, here, yeah. You you got one or two choices: a project for mom and dad, a little origami, you know, covered in grease, or some lame little picture book about a farm, a farm or something. Yeah, no thanks. Hard pass. Yeah, they, like they gotta do. They gotta do better. Yeah, they gotta a do book better. That yeah. grandma's in heaven now. Yeah, do, do better Chick Fil A. Put put little action figures or you know cheap plastic cool stuff you know nobody wants your lame farm books okay nobody, nobody. i'll be honest with you i collect i've uh, there were seasons in my life where i collected vinyl figures you know like mm-hmm. uh, like you know like street streetwear culture i mean the vinyl figures are kind of cool and collectible and uh and that's what mcdonald's did it's like these really cool little, like little kind of vinyl figure vi- versions of the mcdonald's characters i kind of want them i'm not going to go to mcdonald's to get them but they're kind of cool Anyway, why wouldn't you go to McDonald's to get them? That's where they're at. I'm just saying I don't like want to eat McDonald's. Like I accident during during the hurricane a couple weeks ago, I had no food, and so Co and I were driving around looking for a place that might be open. Ended up we had to go to McDonald's. We went to like ten places prior to that that were closed. McDonald's was open, so we ate McDonald's, and we're both like. I don't feel so good afterwards. You know, I mean, like, oh, you go man. to McDonald's with the intention of feeling good about yourself. That's on you. Like, like I just felt, I felt sick. So that it was the first hot food I had had in four days. I was like, oh, these fries are going to be amazing, and I ate it, and I was appreciative of the warmth and the flavor and the salt. And then I felt nasty afterwards. I was just like, I don't eat this stuff anyway. Hey, look, McDonald's. Look, I ain't messing my money up. McDonald's. Look, hey. I'm all right with them nuggets, chicken nuggets. I rock with the Mc, Mc, McNuggets, the McChicken. Yeah, you don't have to tell me what's in them. I'll eat it. Hey, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. Literally, hey. Cohen was saying that in the car. He goes, I don't like anything at McDonald's, but I love their nuggets, and I don't care what's in it. He literally said, I don't care what's in it, because nice. he had read or the kids were spreading a rumor that there was plastic in them, and he's like, I'll eat the plastic because they're so I'm delicious. Like, dude, there's no plastic in the so, McNuggets. I don't know if this is just a Texas public high school education, but in high school, we did have to watch Super Size Me uh, like for class. Uh, I think it was like our some health class whatever that when it, which looking back i'm like was that really the best use of our time watching supersize me anyways half the class afterwards was like well that just made me hungry for mcdonald's like i don't care what's <laughs> in it i didn't go into it thinking it was made with vegetables like now i just want a big mac yeah what what, what did he think was going to happen he ate mcdonald's every day it's like i'm surprised he didn't get you know way Bigger. worse off like yeah. it's kind of shocking it's like oh that's that's worst that case that's worst worse. case scenario no sweat here's the thing i feel like mcdonald's should just like throw and stuff that an adult would actually want to use or, or like like it would save me an errand like oh uh, some double A batteries <laughs> oh, for the adult happy meal yeah or, or no, like, that's, oh, that's brilliant washer fluid washer fluid 
I, I was I was actually having to, I was gonna have to go to Advanced Auto Parts. This is great. Or dental floss. I'll a take little that thing off of washer fluid. You went through the drive thru Just top off your washer fluid. Here you go. Word for my phone. Yeah. Oh yeah. Take dental floss off the grocery list this week. Like it saved me an errand. Like even if it even if it was just a D battery. It's like you know what? I really needed one for that big flashlight. The power just went out. And I don't know the last time. This does feel like something Chick Fil A would do because you know they they already provide everything you need and then might as well get your dental floss or a little little toothpaste here's what i call i would call it the junk drawer meal you get you get a meal and you get one item that's useful for your junk drawer oh some scotch tape been needing that put it in you know a junk drawer meal. i like it i like it look at I this like a it. little packet of sticky notes <laughs> I, I will get a lot of use out of these <laughs> all right that'll do it for slices stay tuned up next steven chandler joins us Listening to Dayglow, the song is radio, but you heard it on a podcast. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year, and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com, and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Stephen Chandler. Stephen's the senior pastor of Union Church in Maryland, the fastest growing church in the country. He's unapologetic about helping people maximize their God-given passions. His new book is called Stop Waiting for Permission, and it encourages people to find their God-given calling professionally and personally. Our very own Tyler Huckabee talked to him about learning how to take big risks with great wisdom, uh, the importance of finding a community who will help you grow and why he believes we're all called to be leaders even if the only person we're leading is ourself here's our conversation with steven chandler decided to right stop waiting for permission what was the thing that made you feel like this is the this is the message i want to really lean into for this season and for this book well i um would have to say this is probably the most impactful message in my life um for those that don't know my story to give you kind of the cliff notes, I became the senior pastor of a church at the age of 23 years old. And uh, about five years later, it was 28 and the church had not grown in three years. And I, I was looking for a way out. I was trying to give the church away. I was trying to quit. I was just so discouraged because I was like, maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe, maybe this is about how far I can go. And it's funny to be, to be 28 years old and to be like, I think I gave the world all I have to offer. I've got nothing left. <laughs> But, um, you know, after, I mean, I literally tried to give the church away. Nobody would take it. Like I couldn't get out of it. And when I couldn't get out of it, it was so God. The one smart thing I did do is I started getting around leaders and pastors that were ahead of me that have broken through the barriers that I was facing. And I quickly learned 
um, I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And if I would shift and change what I'm doing, I would get different results. Fast forward four years, we were named the fastest growing church in America. That was going on three years ago. We've since doubled since then. And what God is doing through the church is truly unbelievable. And to think that I was ready to quit on something that had so much potential just because I didn't know a way forward. So my, my, my heart behind this book and my excitement behind the book is, man, I think there are people out there that are getting ready to quit on a marriage, quit on forming and shaping their children, quit on a business or even quit on their faith, not knowing just because you've hit a barrier doesn't mean that it's the end. There's so much untapped potential. So it, it's, it's my life story. Um, so what do you say, you know, there's, there's people who are going to come to this book or like, well, I, I'm, I'm, I don't work in a church. I may not even have like people around me that I could recruit to anything I'd call a leadership team or, uh, or, or, or anything like that. What is this book? What does your message have for people like that? Every single person on planet earth is a leader. And here's why before we lead anybody else, we have to lead ourselves. What is leadership? Leadership is simply having a strategy and executing a plan to move from point A to point B. So if I say, hey, I want to um, get in better shape. I want to get in better health. I want to be able to run three miles without stopping. Well, leadership is, I've got to strategize. How am I going to start working out? How am I going to change my diet? How am I going to change my schedule so I have time to work out? I've got to devise a plan. I've got to do some research and then I've got to execute that plan. That is leadership. Now, I'm leading a team of one, me, but if I don't have a great plan, I don't have discipline, I don't have follow through, it will never take place. So this whole idea of I need to have 4,000 employees and be a CEO of some amazing company before I'm a leader is absolutely not true. Uh -huh. You're leading yourself and your health in, in, in your faith, in your relationship with God, in, in your raising your kids, in your relationships, in your career, your vocation, every area of our lives is leadership because every area is moving from point A to point B. And what I find for so many people, and, and this is really the question that I'm hoping this book answers, is where do I start? Hmm. So many people have a vision of what they want their tomorrow look to look like. I, I know what I want, my health, my marriage, my money, my faith, yeah. my career. I know what yeah. I want it to look like. I just don't know where to start. I don't know how to begin. And, and my prayer is that this book is, is a step-by-step -step guide. Here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. Let me ask you this, uh, for you, uh, in your story, uh, what looked like, what looked like success, greatness in your case was sticking with the church that you had, even when you wanted to throw in the towel. Now we know statistically right now, a lot of young people in particular are switching jobs or thinking about switching jobs, switching careers. How can somebody tell the difference between 
I just need to rethink the lane that I'm in, where I'm at right now. And some people who might need to think, you know what, I'm on the wrong path and I do need to make a, make a change. How, how do we determine that? There is a, a chapter in the book where I talk about taking a risk. And there is no such thing as maximizing your potential and your entire life being a sure thing. I'm a hundred percent certain this is the right decision. Life just doesn't work that way. There will always be risk. And one person's risk may be, I'm going to step away from this job and, and shift to something else. Another person's risk may be, I'm going to stick to this and not quite sure how it's going to work out. And what I talk about in the book is risk is not guessing. It's not luck. There's a wise way to take a step of risk. As, as people of faith, we believe that God speaks to us. I believe one of the ways that God speaks to us is through his peace. The Bible says, cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. And as you go on in that verse, it says that he will give you a peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard your heart and guard your mind. The opposite of peace is being double-minded. Double-minded is Monday. I'm feeling good about this decision. This, this is it. Tuesday. Oh man, did I make, I don't know. I don't know. Wednesday. No, no, no. I'm sure. And you're just, you're, you're going back and forth. That's not peace. And you know, uh, that's not the right decision. So whether I stay at this job or whether I go to another, whether I, you know, whatever the decision I'm trying to make, the first thing I'm looking for is as I'm praying, as I'm seeking God, do I have a peace about it? Do I have a, a settled sense in my heart? Or is the Holy Spirit kind of prodding me saying, hey, take another look. You're missing something. The second thing is godly counsel. Life was never meant to be done alone. We, The Bible says there's safety in counsel. There's wisdom when you have people around you that can advise you. You need to go to somebody who's a little bit more advanced in life and here's a big deal that they have proof in their life that they've made wise decisions and seen results from those wise decisions. I don't know about you, Tyler. I can always find somebody as foolish as I am to collaborate and to come in on some dumb decision that I want to make. So I'm not talking about somebody who's, you know, uh, crazy like I am. No, find somebody who has some stability to their life. They've, they've taken some steps and they've seen godly results. And hey, can I get five minutes? Can I just talk this through to you? What do you think about me moving to this different city? What do you think about me marrying this person I've been dating for the last 18 months? What, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And really submitting your vision to people of wisdom, trusted people, and allow them to say, well, when I was in your situation and I wanted to leave and I stayed and I'm so glad I did. Or when I was in your situation, I stayed an extra three years and I regretted it. I should have moved when I first sensed the peace leave. And then the last one is just wisdom. I always say, don't make decisions that can bankrupt your life if they go wrong. So for example, I have a lot of uh, millennials, a lot of young folks at my church that are in their first job or their second job. And, and, and I'll have somebody come to me and it's like, man, I just didn't have a piece about that job. So I quit. I'm like, okay, so what are you going to do now? 
Well, I ain't quite thought that out yet. Haven't figured it out yet. I don't know what my next step is, but I just did have a piece about that. So I quit. And then I'm like, okay, so how you gonna pay your rent? How you gonna eat? How you gonna put gas in your car? That was not a wise decision because there's two steps to it. There's what I'm gonna do. And then there's when I'm gonna do it. Yes, I may be leaving this job, but I'm not gonna do that until I find another one to take that step. So when you have the peace of God, you have godly counsel, you have wisdom, and all three of those things are in alignment. I'm not going to throw out statistics, but you're about 95% sure that this risk is going to turn out in a good way. And a lot of people, they either will not move and they're paralyzed in fear, or they jump out in foolishness and really don't take the time to evaluate what the Holy Spirit is. It's a wise decision. was Stephen Chandler. Make sure to check out his new book, Stop Waiting for Permission. It's available now. You don't need permission to go get it. Just go get it. Stop waiting for permission. Just go get his book. All right, stay tuned up next. It's our game. Still I knew I was out of space for the nebula Hung with the generous I elling up If I'm down the ride then my ride is really gonna make a move You're listening to YB the song is Ice Cold Okay it is time for The price is what This week Elon Musk says that he's once again planning to buy Twitter for its original price of $44 billion. We talk about this a lot at work. In fact, by the time this this podcast came out, the deal should be closed or some other sort of news about it will have come out. But anyway, um, it would be one of the most expensive private acquisitions in history, once again, raising concerns about the abilities of the uber-rich to impact market competition. But Twitter's far from the only expensive company out there. The world's full of hyper-valuable treasures that exist far beyond the abilities of most of us to even imagine purchasing. This is true of companies, of course, but it's also true of actual items some of which can be nearly as expensive as Musk's deal. In this game, you'll be given three of the most expensive individual items on Earth and beyond in 2022. All you have to do is identify which of the three items is the most expensive. There's only two rounds, so it's going to be a quick one. Uh, Note, each player gets one billionaire blast, which will remove one incorrect option from the list. (laughs) You can only use your billionaire blast one time, but there's only two rounds, so (laughs) it's pretty generous. There you go. Uh, Emily, you are up first. What is the most expensive of these three things? The History Supreme Yacht. That's the name. The History Supreme Yacht. A yacht designed by Stuart Hughes, a world-famous UK-based luxury designer, which took almost three years to complete. The pricey 100-foot vessel was bought by a Malaysian businessman. Or Antilla, a skyscraper located in Mumbai, is owned by Asia's richest billionaire, Mukesh Ambani. This huge 27-story house has luxury amenities like three helipads, air traffic control, parking space for 168 cars, a ballroom, nine high-speed elevators, a 50-seat theater, and much more. 
Or is it three, the Hubble Space Telescope? First launched in the year 1990, the Hubble Space Telescope is responsible for many major discoveries since then, including confirmation that our entire universe is expanding and assisted in understanding the age of the universe. So is it the History Supreme Yacht, Antilla, the 27-story house, or the Hubble Space Telescope? What's the most expensive? Part of me wants to say, say the telescope, but it was built in the 90s, so I don't know if like we're basing it off the price then or the price to maintain it. Anyways, I'm going to go with the second one because it was the longest description and that just really, there was so many things packed into that house. That house cost $2 billion, okay? okay. $2 billion. I cannot rationalize the Hubble, that, sure. The Hubble Space Telescope cost $2.1 billion. <gasps> The yacht cost $4.5 billion. A boat? The yacht, that would have been my guess. The boat, the boat cost twice as much as the 27-story house. That would That's, have been my guess. Because you got to make it float. <laughs> Take everything in that house, put it on water. All right. I have thoughts. Okay. What? What are your thoughts? That For a boat? <laughs> a boat. <laughs> like, That's I'm your sorry. thoughts? A boat? Even the cheapest boats are shockingly yeah, it's ridiculous. Like nothing, nothing. There's not one item on that boat that wouldn't blow your mind how much. I think like we should again, once again, clarify. I do not have a home right now, so like the thought of anyone spending millions hey. of dollars on a boat is insane. To All me. right, here we go. All right, Jesse, you're up. Uh, most expensive, the card players. It's a painting. It's the artwork of famous French artist Paul Cezanne. It's presented uh, presently owned I, by the. I know it. It's the dogs playing poker. Next. <laughs> Okay. See, how did you know no, that? Just, I, Villa, mean, I have no idea what it is. The I car, thought you were serious. All right. Uh, Villa Leopolda. Villa Leopolda is a home constructed on the French Riviera. It, serves as the, it served the purpose of the hospital during the Second World War. It's owned by Edmund and Lily Safra. Or the comparable diamond necklace made up of a near flawless 407.48 carat white diamond along with 90 white diamonds that weigh around 230 carats. It was discovered almost 30 years ago in Congo by a child. What is the most expensive? The card players, a painting, the Villa Leopolda, or a incomparable diamond necklace? Uh, I'm going to go with the diamond necklace because I remember one time when I was a kid and we went to the Smithsonian on a field trip. And when they were like, man, the Hope Diamond is there. I was like obsessed with, I was like, dude, it's, I was picturing like a Scrooge McDuck type of like at least the size of a, of, a, of like a Nerf football diamond. <laughs> right, it's, right. it's, I mean, it's, it's not barely, impressive. It, yeah. It's not impressive at all. I mean, it's, it's the size of like silver dollar. It's like all seeing the say, Mona Lisa. Yeah. 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 All I have to say is like, it doesn't take much diamond to be unbelievably expensive. I'm going to go with the necklace. The diamond necklace is $55 million. <laughs> the card player's painting is $275 million. <laughs> And the Villa Leopolda is $506 million, so mm. 10 times more than the diamond. There you go. Diamonds are lame anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Especially ones that were taken from the Congo. Put it yeah. back in the Congo. Yeah, give them back. Give it back yeah, to what, the what, people. What, how much? I hope the kid got something for it. <laughs> for real. You know he didn't. Of course he but didn't. It's got a French name on it, so it was definitely mm. in the hands of different people now. All right, uh, Derek, you're up. The most expensive. A 1963 Ferrari GTO. Uh, out of 39 GTOs that were manufactured to date, this particular GTO won the 1963 Tour de France, driven by Jean Guillaume. It was purchased by an anonymous buyer. Uh, the Garçon à la Pipe. 
all this French stuff, you know who wrote this game. Uh, Picasso was just 24 years old when he painted uh, Gijon. So it's a Picasso. It's considered to be one of the best ever works, early works by an artist to appear in the art market. Or a 201 karat gemstone watch. The watch was made by the Chopard uh, watchmakers. There are 874 diamonds and a total of 201 carats of precious gemstones with heart-shaped fancy diamonds embedded in it. What's the most expensive? The 63 Ferrari GTO that won the Tour de France, the Garçon a la Pipe painting, or the 20, 201 karat gemstone watch? It's definitely the watch. That was $25 million. The Ferrari GTO is $52 million, and the painting is $104 million. Oh, I was wrong. There you go. All right, round two. All right, here we go. You're up, Emily. Okay. Most expensive. The Diamond Panther bracelet. Jewelry. Uh, it's the most expensive bracelet in the world. This jewelry piece triggered a romance between Wallace Simpson, the original socialite and queen of style, and Edward VIII. The Dead Shark, an art piece. An art piece uh, created by Damien Hurst. This artwork is officially called The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. It was picked up by an anonymous hedge fund billionaire or the Perfect Pink it's jewelry. Perfect Pink Diamond was auctioned at Christie's Hong Kong for a large amount. According to Vicky Sek, director of the jewelry department at Christie's Asia, it's the most expensive jewel in the Asian subcontinent. So is it the Diamond Panther bracelet, the Dead Shark art piece, or the Perfect Pink uh, bracelet? Or diamond, sorry. Um, I would like to use my billionaire blast because I can. We will take off the Diamond Panther bracelet. So is it the Dead Shark art piece or the Perfect Pink I think it's the art piece because they're always like surprisingly mo- like super expensive. The art piece is $12 million and the perfect pink diamond, $23.2 million. What so is the point you, of the billionaire blast? <laughs> you guys have gotten literally all of them wrong. Because we broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can, I cannot like fathom having that much money. Like, it's just like spending $200 yeah. million on a piece of art. That's insane to me, but. On anything, even on a boat. That is insane to me. Listen, I'm I'm a fountain of good ideas. I thought of how great it would be if you just randomly one day got like a yellow highlighter when you bought your cheeseburger. Sweet, I needed one of these. And I don't I'm not even close to this type of realm. Like this just seems preposterous that yeah, people are We're spending. getting excited about highlighters in a McDonald's box. We're not purchasing art. Not at all. Jesse, most expensive, the Rhine 2. It's a photograph taken by German visual artist Andreas Gerke in the year 1999. The photograph represents the true relationship of a man with nature. Or gold-plated Bugatti Veyron. It's a car with gold plating across it, owned by Flo Rida. Or the Crystal Piano. As the name suggests, it's a piano handcrafted entirely of crystal, first made public in the year 2008 during the opening ceremony of the Beijing Olympic Games. What's the most expensive of those three things? And remember, you have your billionaire blast. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rule out the. I feel like the fact that that, that Bugatti belonged to Flo Rider actually diminishes the value significantly. <laughs> <laughs> like people are like, That's "Hey, dope Bugatti, <laughs> dope Bugatti," and you're like, "Yeah, it used to belong to Flo Rider." You're like, "Oh, well." Mm. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so that's off the list. Give me my billionaire blast. Uh, then we will take off the photograph, the Rhine 2. Well, then so obviously it's, it's, it's between, the piano. Obviously it's the piano. The crystal piano was worth $3.2 million. Flo Rida's gold-plated Bugatti, $10 million. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me. 
ain't nobody paying $10 million for Flow Riders for Bugatti. Like, what's that smell? Flow Riders weed? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. You what got a fumigate. What are bottom jeans doing back here? I was going to say, it, it, no one wants a Bugatti owned by one of the lamest artists in music. <laughs> sure. I will say, every hey. time I have to spell the word Florida, I do say Flow Rida in my head. I'm sorry, though. <laughs> you put on apple bottom jeans and boots with a fur and your party started. It's, I'm it's sorry. On. You said lamest the artist ever. is looking at it's her. On. I'm calm. I'm calm. Th- that's on, like man. saying, oh, hey, cool, man. I got, uh, uh, you know, uh, Pitbull's lawnmower. Oh, great. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying people don't like the novelty of the, the music. I'm just saying it's not a cool thing to own. It's that's not all. worth $10 million. I got you. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, all what right, was d- the... What was the third one, Cameron? Oh, the photograph. He ruled that out. That was four point oh, right. three million. So yeah, it was still the Bugatti. Mm-hmm. All right, Derek, your last one, last round. You guys are all zeros. So if Derek gets this right, win. he wins. I'm gonna win. He wins the price is what? Here we go. The most expensive, the iPhone 3GS Supreme Rose, a handset crafted with seventy five flawless diamonds and four pink baguette diamonds that weighs two point five carats each. It includes a luxurious hand finished wallet that is made from real ostrich foot. iPhone 3GS. Feather of a Huai bird. The Huai feathers represent friendship and respect. The feathers of the Huai birds is very expensive because the animal has been extinct for more than 100 years. There's only one feather left in known existence. Mm. Or the magnetic floating bed. Taking seven years to complete, the magnetic floating bed hovers 1.2 feet above the ground and has the capacity to hold up to 2,000 pounds. So we got the magnetic floating bed, the feather of Hawaii bird, or the iPhone 3GS Supreme Rose. What's the most expensive? Billionaire blast and me, please. Billionaire blast. We're going to take off the feather of the Hawaii bird. That was $10,000. So it's between the magnetic floating bed and the iPhone 3GS Supreme Rose. We're going magnetic floating bed. $1.6 million for that bed. The iPhone 3GS Supreme Rose is $2.9 million. Gosh, you guys all got everyone wrong. <laughs> I think it's the first time that's ever happened. I think so, no too. Tyler, Tyler, it's too hard, Tyler, man. Bro, you got to chill, Give bro. us two choices with shorter descriptions. That's what we need. All right. Well, there you go. That'll do it for the first and last edition of The Price is What? Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank once again Stephen Chandler for joining us. Check out his latest book, Stop Waiting for Permission. It's available now. Stop waiting for permission. Just go get it. Also, make sure to, uh, speaking of things you need to do without asking for permission, go over to relevantmagazine.com and check out our fall issue. It is available now. We have an incredible, powerful story with MIA about her conversion experience. We talked to Dayglow, the cast of The Rings of Power, so much more. Also, over in the faith section, every weekday, we start the day off with a new Deeper Walk devotional. It's a great way to start your day. All right. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Derek Miner. I'm Emily Brown. We'll see you next time. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at relevantmagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com.
I challenge all scientists, dedicate your life to research that just encourages people to eat garbage. Relevant Podcast Network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 